Welcome back to the Brantley Method. Uh, we're here with Coach Chris Cheeks from Boston College. Uh, we've discussed you know, opportunities at the college coaching level. We've discussed uh, what happens when you know, guys finish their playing careers and transition into the coaching side and you know, guys becoming more than just a recruiter. Um, and, and my focus, one of the things that I want to do here with this channel is spotlight guys that are doing a great job um, on, on multiple ends of the coaching spectrum, not just you know, from recruiting and getting top players, but you know, developing young men, developing leaders, um, developing guys that are going to change the landscape of our country you know, when they're done playing the game. So excited to have Coach Cheeks on. Uh, I'm excited to have you join us here. and We'll talk a little bit about your journey and you know, what got you to where you're at now and how that all came together. So thanks, thanks for coming on. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on, on, Justin. This has been a terrific journey for me, 24 years, and I've been at the highest level all the way down to the lowest level. So it's been a kind of a roller coaster ride, but it's been a great ride. Un understandable, understandable. So, you know, your, your journey started, you played at VCU, um, and, you know, one of the most prolific scorers in VCU history. Uh, at what point did you know you know what, when this thing's over and done with, I want to coach the game. It was pretty, it was pretty um, short for me because when I finished playing, it was probably less than two years that I started coaching. Um, I actually started on the high school level and I started as a freshman coach at Atlee High School. And then I, my second year, I was a JV coach and then my third year, I got appointed the head varsity coach, and I was the youngest high school coach in the state of Virginia at the time. And <clears throat> then my fourth year, going into my fourth season, VCU called me and asked me would I um, come join them on their staff. And I was honored, you know, Coach Sonny Smith gave me an opportunity as a young man um, to come play, you know, come uh, work at his album. And it was a no-brainer for me because I didn't have to relocate or anything. So that was an easy transition. Um, then I went to work for Coach, Coach Smith for five years. And then um, I left Coach Smith. Um, he retired my third year. And then Mac McCarthy came in. And I worked with Mac McCarthy for two years. And then I left and went to West Virginia in 2000. And... Um, worked for Gail Catler for two years, and then he retired. <laughs> so, my, you know, a couple of my bosses retired on me early on in my career. And, um, but West Virginia was an unbelievable experience. Um, now, going back to VCU, VCU was more of a, um, it was a wake-up call because as you talk about the coaching aspect, VCU, everybody thought I was still a player because I was so young. And they treated me like a player because I was a former player and I was a really good player at BCU. So nobody looked at you and said, all right, Chris, he's an X and O guy. And, you know, that's, that's what I really wanted people to think. I wanted people to, to say, all right, that's Chris Cheeks. He's a really good coach, not just a Chris Cheeks, the recruiter. And I never really had that, had that diverse um, opportunity at VCU because of how young I was and the opportunity that presented itself for me. Well, you know, you touch on something that I think um, is, is commonplace for black coaches in the industry. And I think that it's something, um, you know, we've talked about it and, it, and it's become a, a hot button of sorts. But, 
you know, we haven't really, um, you know, we haven't really identified a solution to the issue, right, of, of getting over the hump of them seeing us as just recruiters. Uh, you know, would you say from, from your experience and, and you starting from early on saying, hey, I want to be known as a really good coach. You know, was there a lot of development stuff? Was there a lot of, you know, what did you do to kind of separate yourself from being known or being seen as somebody who can go out and get players uh, to somebody that can coach and develop them up? Well, it all depends on who's your boss, um, who's going to give you an opportunity to um, present yourself on the court. And I was lucky enough um, when early on that Sonny Smith and Gail Catley, those guys gave me an opportunity to be on the court and do scouting reports and um, run drills and um, present the um, game plan to the teams. So it, it started early for me. Um, and I was lucky because some guys, um, they could go 15, 18 years and not ever do a scouting report. And, and to me, that's, that's an important aspect when you start talking about developing um, the, tra the transition into becoming a head coach. Um, and I think that's very important. And, you know, when I was at West Virginia, they also gave me an opportunity to go out and speak in front of the um, alumni. I would go out on my own um, to Charleston, West Virginia, to Washington, D.C., and speak in front of 2,000 people um, talking about the upcoming season. So it was a great experience there. Um, I go to Georgia State, and Mike Perry, he gave me the same thing. I mean, he, he, he came in, he said, hey, man, you're an experienced guy. I'm, I want you to coach. I don't want you just to be a recruiter. I want you to do everything for, for our program. And so I've, I've been fortunate. And then I, um, I worked at Georgia State for three years. And then I left there, went to UNC Charlotte. And Bobby Lutz just, he, he allowed you to do everything to become a head coach because he wanted to produce head coaches. He wanted, he wanted young guys who had an ambition to become head coaches. And that's why I think Bobby Lutz was so good um, with his staff and the players because everybody respected what he was trying to do. Um, then after, um, after UNC Charlotte, I went to work for DC Assault where I was a 16 under U coach um, for one year. And then after DC Assault, the University of Delaware called me and asked me to come Monte Ross. And I go to Delaware and Monte, you know, of course, I'm a veteran guy. Monte, he was like, hey, man, come in and help our young guys. I want you, you know, mentor these guys and, you know, see if we can't take them to the next level. And we were able to take them to the next level because we, we had the best four years in Delaware's CAA history, which was, you know, outstanding time. You know, we went to the NSA tournament and had a couple of other opportunities um, to play in postseason. But I – um. <clears throat> So after Delaware, I went to Western Kentucky for one year. And then Bobby, um, Jim Christian had called me here at Boston College to come come to Boston and, and work in the ACC. And, you know, just seeing the ACC, how fast the game is, mm -hmm. I, I think every assistant coach in the ACC is ready to become a head coach for one reason. Because when they're on the sideline in the ACC, the game is played so fast. You have, to, you have to learn to adjust on the move 
and you have to coach on the move. So it, it helps young guys like you know myself and other assistants in the league become get ready to move over that one seat because of the speed of the game. What would you say from, you know, obviously you, you mentioned you had some, some great head coaches to learn under that were, you know, willing to give you the opportunities to develop and grow. But outside, uh, from an external standpoint, what would you say, it, what would you say is there or is lacking um, from a standpoint of preparing guys that have that interest or want to, you know, eventually become a head coach? Is there enough for, for us, for, for, you know, black assistants, especially young black assistants coming into the game? Is there enough, um, you know, resources designed to educate them in the, in the different things that you're not going to just learn on the fly? Well, <clears throat> there's different resources. Um, you, you just have to take advantage of all the resources in front of you. And also, um, you have to learn to I think as a young guy, you have to learn to um, mingle with your administrators because those are the people who make the decisions. And those are the people who are getting athletic director um, jobs across the, across the country. So I think, you know, part of it is we have to build relationships at a young age and get to know people, um, advocate yourself. For sure, for sure. Um, as far as you know, the scouting reports and the X's and O's, is that something that, you know, do you have younger guys that reach out to you outside of Boston College and say, hey, coach, I know you've been doing this for a while. Uh, you know, what are some pointers you have for me? Do you have those type of conversations with guys? Absolutely. Um, more than you can imagine. <laughs> Being in the ACC, you probably get, especially during the season, you know, a lot of young guys will, you know, email me and call me and, and ask, could they come to practice? Um, is it any plays that we may have that we can, you know, exchange? Um, and they, they, they all want uh, tips. You know, what can I do, Coach, to, you know, try to prepare myself? And I, and I try to give those guys as much knowledge as possible because I want to be a mentor to those guys like guys were mentors to me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that that's one of the things. I mean, when I look at the, the industry and when I look at the business, um, one of the things that I love the most about it is guys like yourself that, you know, I, I, never, I never get no, right? Like, you know, when I'm in Boston, I say, coach, uh, I'm around. I want to come check out practice. It's not a, uh, you know what, today's not a good day or we got something going on. You know, you're that, you're that first one to say, hey, come on out to practice. Then when it's done, let's, let's go have dinner, <laughs> you know? That's right. And, yeah. and I think that's something that, I mean, we, we need to do for, um, you know, just for each other to give each other the, the guidance and the direction and also the encouragement because I bump into so many guys, um, specifically younger guys uh, on the grassroots level or the high school level that want to be college coaches, but they don't even know where to start or, you know, they, they, don't, they don't think that they, you know, that they have a shot because maybe they, maybe a couple years went by and they didn't jump right into being a graduate assistant or, you know, they just don't know how to get their foot in. And I tell guys, Hey, pick up the phone, you know, just reach out. Hey, I tell, I tell guys all the time, we're not going to turn you away. You know, if, if, if you want the knowledge, you got to come and get it. And if you want to be on this level or if you want to be on the college level, you have to be around um, college coaches and get to know some college coaches because that's the only way people are going to feel comfortable hiring you. You, you, you have to um, sell yourself. 
um, in terms of, okay, this is Pepsi-Cola over here on the left. You got Coca-Cola on the right. Which company do I want to work for? Do I want to work for Pepsi? Well, I got to present myself to Pepsi in, in, a, in a way where Pepsi is going to hire me. Or do I want to work for Coca-Cola because I got to present myself in a way where I think Coca-Cola is going to um, put me in position to hire me one day. So I tell guys, hey, come to practice, you know, take notes. Um, just don't come in practice and, you know, just hanging out. Come in and take notes and, and learn some stuff, you know, get some drills, ask questions, um, you know, come in for um, to watch video with us, you right. know. One thing about Coach Christian I, I love about him is, you know, he's open. He's an open book. You know, he invite guys in all the time. So it's, it's an easy process for us. Well, let me ask you, you, you mentioned um, earlier uh, just the, the speed of, of the game when you get to the ACC level. It's like, it's like being on the freeway and everything's, everything's moving in that fast lane. Um, one of the things, so obviously you, you touched on that. You touched on how that prepares you, you know, for that next level. I'm going to take it one step further. Being at, at a high academic program, you know, how does that change the dynamic of the type of kids you recruit and you know, being able to find players that fit, not just fit what you guys do on the court, but, but fit what's needed and what's required of the university? Well, first of all, um, any young man that we recruit here at Boston College has to be able to fit into the community first. That's the, the number one question. Can that young man fit Boston College community? And, you know, a lot of kids, when you go in to recruit them, when they don't fit the community, we just keep, keep going, you know, because it's a whole different process we have to do here from an academic standpoint. Um, you know, if, if a guy is averaging a 2.0 and 800 on the SAT, I mean, it's going to be tough for him to get, it, get in school here at Boston College as opposed to another ACC school. Um, so it's all a part of um, doing your homework early and trying to identify the kids that are Boston College caliber kids, academically as well as athletically. Absolutely, and I mean, when, we were, when I was there last year um, and we sat down and we talked about that, I mean, um, the, the benefits to that level of education you know, they, you know, there's something that lasts for the, for the rest of your life, right? Like it's something that you'll look back on and you'll, I mean, just the, the alumni base and the, the type of, you know, the, the type, the atmosphere, and like you said, the community, um, you know, I absolutely love it on campus there. One of the things that, you know, being, being well-traveled and, and I spend a lot of time in Boston, you hear a lot about, um, you, you hear a lot about racial animosity in, in the city of Boston. Is that something that you've encountered or your players have encountered while at Boston College? Well, knock on wood, I haven't um, encountered any racial activity here at Boston College, but, you know, I hear stories um, about people in the city of Boston that, that they've encountered. Um, you know, one of the baseball players had mentioned that, you know, he, he overheard, you know, the fans yelling racial um, slurs at him. But me as an assistant basketball coach at Boston College, I've never heard any, any racial uh, remarks here at Boston College. And, you know, none of the players since I've been here have said anything. So That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that that, 
you know, once again, I'm, that's a testament to the community, right? And the community that you're trying to, to find the right, the right kids to fit into. Um, and with that being said, obviously, I mean, at this point in time in, in, in the United States where we're at currently, you know, are those conversations that you guys have had with, um, you know, with the, the players and, you know, just discussed, you know, while you're, while you're at home, before you get back on campus, let's just have some conversations and some open dialogue. Is that something you guys are doing? Well, one of the things we talked about were, was, um, you know, when you're back at home and let's say you out at a protest and, you know, someone gets up in your face, you know, learn to keep a cool head. Um, just walk away if you have to, because, you know, it, it only takes 10 seconds to mess up your reputation and you want to keep your rep reputation um, clean. And, you know, we, we talked about, um, you know, don't be afraid to, to speak your mind. You know, that's, that's one of the things that Coach Christian talked about with the team. You know, he, he, he's, we have a um, team uh, mission statement and he came out and he told the guys, hey, I want each guy on this team to prepare yourself for life. And, you know, one of the things we talked about with the team was November the 3rd, we want to make sure each guy, um, when they get back on campus, we want to make sure they, they're able to vote on November the 3rd. And it's just preparation because don't wait till the last minute to get all your paperwork in and you know you get delayed and you can't vote. So when you get back in August, let's get the ball rolling and, and let's start you know, becoming the man. Because, right. you know. <clears throat> what would you say? So so it sounds like it sounds like leadership and dialogue is open between you know between the players and the coaching staff and everybody's kind of you know understanding that you know there are some things that happen you know within our country that you know we we can't control um, you know we you know there there's different areas of life that you know and that's that's part of growing up and that's part of becoming a man is understanding that you don't control everything um, but what you do control is how you react to it you do control you know how you allow it to shape or or uh, impact your life so um, it's great to hear that you guys are having that dialogue and that you know coach is allowing the guys and, and encouraging the guys to have a voice and to speak up but at the same token be smart about you know how they're carrying themselves and how they're handling themselves off campus um, would you say that this has been one of the more difficult off seasons for you as far as, you know, with, with guys being away due to COVID, with, you know, not being able to get out and recruit like, we, like we're used to? Well, 2020 is the toughest year um, in my coaching career because, I mean, obviously the pandemic, you know, the COVID-19, which we had no control over, and then um, – you, you, you take the George Floyd incident and it just escalated. Um, so you, you, you put all that in a bottle and now <clears throat> it's just so much to worry about. You know, you know, we gotta, first we gotta talk to our kids about being safe right. and, and not going to gyms where you know, other guys are and, you know, making sure you, um, you're testing right, uh, make sure that you're uh, staying out of large crowds, make sure you're wearing your safety mask. And now the protesting comes 
and now you're in, you know, you're in protests and most of those guys live in um, major metropolitan cities. So you're in a protest where there's 60,000 people, but how can we tell our guys not to go protest because this cause for the protest is bigger than, than anything that we could tell them. Right. Because as a black man, you have to, you have to be a part of that because the movement Absolutely. You can't miss this opportunity because of the movement. So it's 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 been like um catch twenty two. Right. Right. And and you know, it's one of those things that um you know I I loved hearing, you know, you just said that this movement is bigger than the game of basketball. And I think that you know, I think that when you have when, when I look at, I have, I have a 14-year-old son, and when I look at who I'm going to entrust my, my son to when it comes time to send him off to college, um, and, and I think, you know, you and I have had this conversation before, I, I, it's, it's less important to me about what type of basketball player is that coach going to make my son, and more important to me, you know, what type of man is he going to become underneath your leadership? So, you know, Hearing that, hey, yeah, we want to make sure that you're in shape and ready to go on the court when it's time to come. But most importantly, you know, I need you to be able to voice your opinions, express yourselves. I need you to be able to stand up for, you know, your, your rights and your, you know, who you are as a man. So those are things that, you know, I, I think as a parent, I love hearing um, and, and kind of, you know, when I look at the full package of what not only a program brings to the table, but a coaching staff brings to the table, from from your perspective, um, and let's flip it around. Go ahead. Before you say that, um, just la- what last week, um, I have a 16 year old daughter, and she came in and said that she wanted to go up to the high school because they were um, they were going to march from the high school to the police station, the entire student body. Wow. So we were like, oh, okay, all right. And, you know, everybody was going to wear black T-shirts and they were going to have their Black Matter signs. So she made a sign up and, you know, she went out there and walked. And um, my, my wife actually went out and walked with her. And when she got up to the police station, there's 2,000 students up there. And, you know, we live in a predominantly white uh, neighborhood. And... How about one of the students asked her to come up and speak? <laughs> so she went up on behalf of, you know, all the um, African-American students in the school and she did a terrific job. So I, I, I had to put that in there because uh, I was very proud of her for doing that. Well, I mean, that's, that's a sign of leadership, right? And that, that's a sign of, you know, you're not, you're not just preaching it when you're sitting down there talking to a family about, you know, what you're going to do for their child. You know, you, you're, you're molding and shaping and molding your own children. Um, you know, from, from your perspective, just because I, I want to kind of educate and, and um, you know, give up-and-coming coaches, you know, a little bit of, of dia- dialogue and a little bit of understanding. You know, when it comes to juggling um, and maintaining the sense of family and, and being a father, you know, how have you handled that and navigated through that as an assistant coach throughout your journey? Well, first of all, you had to put God and family first. Um, and then once you do that, the rest is, is easy because God, gonna, he's going to guide you to do all the right things. And um, 
you know, with me, it's been easy because I've all, I'm a very disciplined person and I'm very, um, I do the same thing over and over and over. And um, it, it actually drives my wife crazy, but that's just the way <laughs> I am. You know, I get up early and, you know, I, I like to have stuff organized. I'll give you an example. Like when this is my scout, I'm in the office by 7 a.m., you know, I'm in there. I, I want to be prepared. You know, I'm, I'm going to study the night before. You know, I, I want to study my opponent. I want to watch as much film as possible. Um, so I, I just want to be shocked because players ask you some of the off-the-wall questions. <laughs> hey, coach, can this kid go left from 20 feet? No, he can't dribble. But you, you have to be prepared, you know, because as soon as the kid, you know, beats you from 20 feet, then the kid going to look at the coach and say, he couldn't, he couldn't do that. <laughs> so you just have to be prepared at all times for what these kids are going to ask you. And you have to do your research and, um, and, and learn, um, synergize these guys, make sure that you're on top, top of everything that you do. For sure. For sure. And what... You know, throughout throughout your journey, um, you know, what would you say has been the the one thing that that's made it? Now, I wouldn't say easier because none of it's easy, um, but has helped you along the way. What's what's the the most important? So obviously, allowing God to, to lead your life and step in and, and you know give you that the balance. Um, but what would you say is kind of is a, another must-have? for a guy that's saying, hey, you know what, I want to embark on this journey. What's, what's something that they need to do um, to set themselves in the direction to be successful? Well, you have to build relationships um, with high school coaches, AAU coaches, prep school coaches. You just have to have a lot of relationships because those are the guys that's going to help you along the way. Um, I don't care how big you get, how low you get, they're going to help you in some, some aspect. Um, so I, I think the, the more relationships you can build, the better you become as a coach in college. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I tell people that all the time. I think that, you know, it's not necessarily people say, oh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know, I, I think it's a little bit different. I think it's uh, who knows what you know, right? Like, you know, guys have to know you in order to trust you, in order to say, I'm going to send my player to you. Um, and without that, without that level of trust, um, they, you know, Sometimes they'll, okay, hey, I know this guy over here and I know he's going to take care of my kids. So, you know, that's where I'm going to send him. And it might not necessarily be the right fit for the player. Um, as far as finding, you know, and obviously it's different from different spots and different spaces um, that you've coached at. But now at Boston College, you know, what's the first thing when you're scouting a player? What's the first thing that you're looking for to identify if he's a good fit for you? Well, you look at, is he a good person first? You know, you watch his mannerism on the, on the sidelines because we all know what kids can do when they get on the court. But what are you doing behind the scene? Are you, um, a, are you a distraction on the bench? Are you a cancer in the locker room? Or are you a good kid in the community? And you can, you can pretty much tell by watching, watching their mannerism in, during the course of the game. You know, are you, if a kid make a pass, somebody go in and score, is he happy for that, that young man? Or is it just about him? You know, you, you missed me on the pass, but somebody else scored and you get upset. Right. To me, that's the selfish person. 
So you got to, to me, that's what I look for. I look for guys that are going to be really good teammates because yeah. you're talking about building a championship caliber team, you have to have good teammates. For sure, for sure. And guys that are willing to sacrifice their individual success for the success of the team. And how, how important of a factor, how much does social media play in, in identifying that character uh, of the student athlete you're recruiting? Oh, I, um, social media is everything because we, we go back um, three years ago. I'll give you an example. Um, Jerome Robinson was tearing ACC up and, you know, he was going through the whole NBA process. You know, one of the teams asked him, they said, Jerome, can we get your Twitter feed? So Jerome gives them the Twitter feed and they go back and look at Twitter tweets from college to high school because mm. they're trying to determine what kind of person you are. You know, can you, are you a good locker room guy or are you a bad locker room guy? Are you awful in, in the media? Can we take this, can this, can this guy go into a, a middle school or high school or hospital and represent our NBA team? So it was, it was, that was probably the most interesting um, thing that somebody has ever said to me when, when, they, when they went back 10 years to watch and see his character, what kind of character does he have? For sure. So For sure. It, it, stuck with, it stuck with me. For sure. So it sounds like there's a lot of different dynamics that, that go into making um, – a successful tenure and career in college coaching. And, and obviously a big part of it is being able to recruit, it's being able to find the right players. But uh, a big part, a larger part is, sounds like personal development and becoming a better coach and working on your craft um, so that you can you know, be able to coach up and develop the players that you're working with. Uh, one of the things that I always like to do when I end an interview is I like to ask somebody what piece of advice would they give their younger self? So, you know, if you were sitting here and you're talking to, to Chris Cheeks, who, you know, just took his, his first job, that freshman coaching job, um, knowing everything you know now, you know, what's the one thing you tell yourself to prepare you for this journey? Well, <clears throat> the one thing I would tell myself is to continue to get knowledge. And what I mean by to continue to get knowledge, um, whatever gym you walk into, always take notes. Um, you know, I walk into high school practices and I see a drill. It may be a drill I want to implement in our practice. Um, so just always continue to soak up information. Um, never think you're too big to soak up information. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Um, I, I think that, you know, from my perspective, I've, I've, built, I've built a platform that you know, I believe has the opportunity to, to share some of that knowledge and, and give some of these guys an opportunity. They may not know who, you know, Chris Cheeks was prior to this, but now they know, okay, hey, I can reach out to coach when I'm in the area and, and, and go in and watch a practice and, and you know, learn and, and get educated on the way Boston College does things. And, you know, maybe and hopefully um, that will inspire a young coach to say, you know what, coach said, you know, show up, give me a call, send me an email. Um, and I think that that's something that just isn't discussed a lot. 
I think a lot of guys don't realize that that opportunity exists to just be able to, as a young coach, say, hey, I want to come learn from you. Right. And, you know, we, we tell young guys all the time, don't be afraid, man. Only thing we can tell you is no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like recruiting. You, you have to recruit a kid until the kid tell you no. Right. So it all, it all is hand in hand. You know, well, I re I remember I, I remember when remember, I remember um, back when I was the high school coach. No, go ahead. No, I just remember back when I um, when I was a uh, ninth grade coach going in to watch um, VCU practice, and then I would go up to watch Randolph Macon practice. Um, they had a guy named Hal Nunley, and Hal Nunley had been at Randolph Macon for like thirty something years. Um, was legendary. Um, Division three coach, and I said, um, I want to go up there and watch him, um, watch his practices so I can conduct my practice similar to him because he's had so much success over the years that I can learn some stuff from him. So I went up and watched his practices for two days, and actually, we implemented his defense. I never told him, you know, rest in peace, coach, but we implemented his defense that year. As as a ninth grade coach. Well, and, and that's, I mean, those are the things that we never forget when, when people give us an opportunity. And I, you know, one of the reasons why you were the first one I reached out to when I said this is something I wanted to do was I remember, and, and you know, I think that a lot of people say things, but living what you say, right? And, and your actions matching what you have to say. You know, I remember when I reached out to you after I left, there was a drill that you guys ran that I loved. And I said, hey, coach, um, you know, you know, and, and I, I was asking you, and I'm like, I'm going to write it down. You said, no, we'll get it emailed over to you. And you sent me the whole practice, and I'm sitting there watching it for the next week to, you know, and I was able to take that and not only educate myself, but I was able to throw it on the screen for my guys and say, hey, you say you want to play at the ACC. Look at how hard these guys are practicing, you know? You know, we, um, we invite teams into practice because, you know, a lot of young coaches, they want to show their kids how to, um, to work hard and, and go through practices at a certain speed because, you know, as, as a young teenager, you know, you want to do it your way. And sometimes doing it your way is not the right way. So, you know, you get a lot of teams that come in and, you know, those kids, they leave and they're like, wow, the speed of the game and, you know, man, I got to pick my stuff up. I got to get in shape. You know, I got to get stronger. You know, it's, it's a different dynamic. For sure. For sure. All right, well, Coach, I appreciate you. Um, I, I really do. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, where, where this platform goes and as I continue to bring guys on. But um, with you being the, the first in, in this series, um, I, I definitely thank you. I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for taking time out of your day. Time's the most valuable asset any of us have. Um, so, you know, once again, I, I, I couldn't do it without you. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the, the coaches like yourself that have mentored me and, you know, guided me along the way and, and told me, you know, yes when they could have told me no and, you know, gave me pointers. So I, I really appreciate that, Coach. Well, thank you for your time and continue to be a blessed young man. Hey, thank you, Coach. We'll talk soon. Thanks. All right.